Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the Tailgater Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kevin Borba. Joining me as always is Sergio De La Esporea out there in Florida. Sergio, how you doing? You know, I was doing well last week. I was in Virginia visiting my mom and stepdad on my mom's 50th birthday. It was such a lovely time to be with family. And then it just got so much better because Florida decided, you know what, we're going to win Billy Napier's first game in his tenure against the top 10 ranked defending Pac-12 champion Utah Utes at home with a game-clinching interception. And Anthony Richardson is going to go full sicko mode and full NCAA 14. So it was incredible. It was a great time. I'm feeling fantastic, Corba. How are you, my friend? I'm feeling good, you know. Um, I covered my first in-person game. Uh, got to cover Stanford taking on Colgate. Um, always been a Crest guy myself, but it was cool to see that in person. Um, I'm going to the Stanford USC game this week, so I'm excited for that. I feel like the ambiance is going to be a little, a little bit better. Colgate traveled better than I thought they would, but yeah, great college football weekend. Um, I kind of had a, a six-screen situation going on. Um, I had the game obviously live in front of me, so I'm counting that as a screen basically. Had a game on my phone, and then I had three separate games on my laptop, and then there was a TV ab- above me, so I was just... I was everywhere. I was watching all, Florida. All while you were in the press box, right? Yes. <laughs> I want to know the Stanford Stadium press box Wi-Fi plan. That is incredible that you were able to get all those things in, hey, a, in a press box Wi-Fi. That was one of their pitches to their fans this year was that they improved the Wi-Fi. And I had no issues. So shout out to the Wi-Fi improvement. Um Some people are going to get some shout outs right now, Sergio, but it's not for the right reasons. We are going to talk about our week one biggest losers. Throw up the fat L. Um, Honestly, you could go anywhere with this. Um, I'll I'll let you tee us off. Who who is the biggest loser in your opinion? The biggest loser of the week. I'm going to I'm going to put it in two, right? Two two schools are going to be my biggest loser of the week, but they both come from the state of North Carolina. They're both power five institutions in the state of North Carolina, and they both won road games against group of five teams in the state of North Carolina. I know it's weird, but my losers of the week are North Carolina and NC State. Both of them beat their in-state G5 rivals on the road. North Carolina went to Boone and won in an instant classic in a 63-61 thriller, and NC State won on the road at East Carolina courtesy of a shanked extra point and then a missed 41-yard field goal as time expired, or at the end of the game, not as time, like three seconds left or whatever, um, to give NC State the 21-20 to victory over East Carolina. They are my biggest losers because, man, do they not look like what everyone thought they would. I was very skeptical of North Carolina, especially after seeing their defense basically um, they were on the field. I don't know if they were playing football, but they were definitely on the field wearing pads and helmets. Um, they looked like football players, definitely didn't play like them, uh, allowed a depleted FAMU offense to score like 24 points in a game that really should have been over in the first quarter and wasn't. Uh, and Jackson then NC State, 
Jackson State yeah. only gave up space to FAMU. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and so then you go over to the other game, and NC State was getting pushed off the line of scrimmage. East Carolina had the second best goal line stand of the day. Uh, shout out to my Gators. But, I mean, it was one of those things where, yes, both of those teams won the game, won their respective games. But the outlook on the season and the expectations that are in Raleigh and Chapel Hill, they're just not looking like they're going to be met this season. Um, yeah, these teams are not what we thought they were. Uh, so they are my losers of this week. What about you, Borba? It's actually funny you say that. My loser was going to be group of five upsets because <laughs> they those two failed, um, which App, App State's hurt, I think, a lot just because – they had so many freaky things go that go their way. They had the, but but then it ended up not going their way. The Chase Bryce overthrow and the two point conversion, like that was just, like that was a scene from hell. Like why are you throwing and then, it? And that then point? they got and then they got a second chance, and they still I, didn't weren't able to get the two point conversion to send it to overtime. Like ugh, that's just drastic. The the overthrow from hell of like just throwing it way too hard to a wide open receiver who you could have pitched it to, and the receiver was backpedaling and he falls. And then ECU with the field goals. And then I also, um, the Pac-12 was hosting two Mountain West schools. Um, San Diego State was trying to upset Arizona. And Arizona not only held off, they embarrassed San Diego State, I would say. And then Oregon State throttled Boise State and had them bench their quarterback. And then UTSA took Houston to triple overtime. That one hurt. That one hurt. That one really, really hurt. So yeah, yeah, my my biggest loser was actually going to be group of five upsets, but I'll go for the more obvious one. Um, honorable mention Iowa's offense. Uh, that was honestly the I in an article I wrote I I wrote that was the worst display of offense since the forward pass was invented. Well, I mean, granted, you can you really call them a biggest loser if they didn't have an offense? Like they really only fielded half a team. Like in in Iowa's <laughs> defense, I the, the offense was non-existent and not in like the. Defense was non-existent in North Carolina way where they were out there. No, no, I'm pretty sure Iowa just didn't field an offense. That's how bad it looked. Yeah, it wasn't great. But my biggest loser is actually Oregon. Um, that's not really a hot take by any means. I just think you're a top 15 team, national uh, spotlight in the Chick-fil-A uh, kickoff game, whatever you want to call it. Um, I knew it was going to be a tough game in Atlanta. That's not really a neutral site. That's a, that's as neutral. They might as well play the game in Athens. Um uh, on my my po- my Stanford podcast, uh, Tree Talk with Jordan Watkins, former Stanford defensive lineman, he's from Atlanta, and he's like Athens is like down the road, like it's not that was neutral site by by dec- declaration, but not at all. Um, Bo Nix looks like bad Bo Nix to put it in layman's terms. Um, he just didn't look like he comprehended the offense. There was multiple plays where. It just seemed like he was hoping for the best. The Oregon defense couldn't tackle anybody, which I expected better physicality out of a not only a defensive-minded coach, but the coach who just led the Georgia Bulldogs' best defense possibly ever in college football. So overall, poor performance by Oregon. Um, I'm not seven surprised. Touchdowns on seven yeah. drives. They, they made Stetson seven. Yeah, they made Stetson Bennett look like a prime Johnny Manziel. Which Stetson Bennett, I'll compliment him because I know you don't want to. He looked. I'll, no, no, very. Listen, listen. He I'll looked very. His, I, exactly. I'll give him his props. He looked really good in this game. I also want to point out things can be two things. I can be impressed with a one-game performance by Stetson Bennett, and I can also acknowledge that this Oregon team is not the Oregon team that beat Ohio State on the road in Columbus last season. Two completely different teams, 
two completely different identities. Uh, it's like Mario leaving really collapsed that program overnight. I can give Stetson Bennett the props while also say, okay, all right, sure. You know? I mean, there was just I, Stetson Bennett put in that work this offseason. I watched a scouting breakdown of him. Um, he had some more velocity on the ball. He had he, it's the haircut. The more, it, it's the haircut. I, I did notice the haircut. He got a tight the, not, face, and not just the haircut. Have you seen what he's been like wearing? Not, his wardrobe completely changed. That nil money really did him well. Oh yeah, okay. I respect it. Oh I yeah. Respect. Okay, so now that we've touched on our biggest losers, also shout out to Iowa. Um, I if that's their best quarterback, like I'm not, I'm not even trying to like, like go at his neck. I'm just saying. 1.1 QBR rating, like that is the lowest possible rating, negative 25 yards rushing. It was against the FCS South Dakota State team. Like they're a solid team, but I, a team who is consistently in talks to be contending for the Big Ten, you couldn't even put up a real touchdown. You put up the special teams slash defense specialty touchdown of two safeties and a field goal. That was, like I said, worst display of offense since the forward pass was invented. Um but yeah, moving on. Let's 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 be positive, Sergio. We're positive people. Um, let's talk about our biggest winners. My biggest winners again. Two programs. Number one, Notre Dame. No, oh. I know they lost the game, but everyone, myself included, thought that this game was going to be just over by halftime. Ohio State's too good, and Notre Dame showed some tough grit and defensive strength. I was very very impressed with what I saw out of Notre Dame. I wow. think that that game shows more about both Ohio State and Notre Dame in good ways. No, Ohio State, because I personally think they're going to win the national championship. I've, I've said that in other places. I don't know if I've said that here on, on the tailgaters, but I'm saying it now. I think Ohio State's going to win the national championship. Ooh. And I think it was it was a good showing for them because of the adjustments they made in the second half. They were able to show, okay, when things are kind of tight in a game against a good opponent, we are able to make the changes necessary to win. And that's not something that we've seen in the past. So I like that from Ohio State. But on Notre Dame's side, the fact that they were able to keep it a game with Ohio State going into second half, they were up 10-7 at halftime. It was really a close game. They lost by 11 points, but it always felt like, while I didn't think that they could kind of keep up scoring, it always felt like they could cause something to happen on the defensive side of the ball that could maybe put them in a position to score a touchdown? I don't know. But it was definitely more than I thought was going to happen before the game, so Notre Dame for sure. And then, of course, of course, Borba, of course you know what I'm going to say. Uh, My beloved Florida Gators, that, one that blue chip huge... Billy Napier, Anthony, a.k.a. him, Richardson. Like, it just, it was incredible. It was, there are still a lot of things to, to, to get better on, a lot of things to improve on. The um, mental errors and the self-inflicted mistakes seem to still be there from the Mullen uh, tenure. That needs to get sorted out. At the beginning of the second half, or um, Utah drove on what was, to me, their best drive of the half it of the game. It did end in a goal line stand, and no points were scored. Very much a bend-don't-break philosophy on defense, which I like from this team. That's something that's been lacking over the past couple of years. But the fact that they kind of came out a bit lethargic seemed like they kind of let the close game get to their head a little bit. I'm glad that Napier was able to bring things down, uh, level, get them level-headed after that drive um, and, and do good. And again, turnovers. Running backs put the ball on the ground a lot. We need to make sure that we secure the football. So there's a lot of things that need to be improved on, some of the play calling too. But overall, and my slack is blowing up. I'm so sorry. Uh, overall, I think it was a great, great, great performance and a well-ahead-of-schedule um, 
on the predicted uh, blue chip Billy uh, timeline is what I'll say. So those are my two winners. Notre Dame and Florida are my two winners of the week. I'm actually going to stay in the state of Florida for my biggest, one of my big winners. I'm going Florida state. Um, They did try to give the game away at the end there, but up until the fourth quarter, they had a commanding two touchdown lead. Uh, I think they kind of got in let's not lose this game mode rather than let's win this game mode. And that's usually where you see teams falter a little bit. Um, But that was, that was a big win for Mike Norvell. Who's constantly been on the hot seat. Um, Jordan Travis looked really good. I think, I, like I'm not saying Jordan Travis is going to win the Heisman by any means, but every person has like a Heisman like moment play. Like Casey Thompson's was against Northwestern when he was like scrambling around for like negative 20 yards and then threw it. Jordan Travis's was a defensive lineman smacking him in the face and throwing that touchdown. You mean you mean Anthony Richardson's two point conversion jump pump fake yes, spin that, find the that, guy in the corner? Yeah, that that was also if you didn't say Florida for some odd reason, I was going to say my biggest winner was Anthony Richardson's Heisman hype because that oh, would have yeah. been the that was he the went, play. He according sports. to on three sports, they have like an NIL calculator and his NIL value more than doubled in one week. It was like something like 500 K was his NIL value before the game. And as of oh, Monday, wow. we're recording on a, on Wednesday. As of Monday, it was up to like one point two million dollars. Like it, it jumped. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Yeah, no, that was that was crazy. But yeah, Florida State they looked really good. Um, their defense um, very disruptive. They got a very great performance out of Jared Verse, the transfer from I want to say Albany. Um, three sacks. Um, he did declare them back though, which. Um, as a Texas fan, relax, kind of, relax, 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 the curse. someone else has made the mistake of saying we're back. So hopefully they didn't just curse themselves going forward, but great win over LSU. Um, they could also be in contention for biggest loser, but I think that team just still trying to figure it out. Um, I, I just, will say Borba before you go on to, if you have another one, but mm-hmm. just real quick with Florida state, I think that the indication, I didn't watch that game live. Um, I had a family that was at the same time as my mother's 50th birthday party. So at a family event, but you were letting me know, um, my buddy Tyler from sideline judgment, you know, my close friend, he was texting me about the game. And one thing that when I went back and watched the highlights, I realized was Florida plays both LSU and Florida state this season. And normally I am always more nervous about the LSU game than I am the FSU game, at least in the past five, six, seven years this year, given what I saw from that game, I don't think that's the case. I am much more quote unquote concerned, or I definitely have a little bit more anxiety for that Florida state game being on a Friday night, being prime time, being a big rivalry game at the end of the year. Um, I definitely have a bit more concern over that game than I do LSU coming to Gainesville to play an sec game on October 15th. So I think that's that as a Florida fan, from my perspective, both of those teams are my rivals. That is how I kind of see the state of both programs. And I think that's a testament to Florida state and Mike Norvell and, and the patience that they've had to give him um, to be able to bring them back to at least relevancy. Like at least now they're relevant, right? We don't know if they're fully back to FSU, what they should be, but they're yeah. at least relevant. And at least they are, you know, this was a big win for Mike Norvell and for the Florida state program for, for its future. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that kind of progresses as both as a college football fan and as a Florida fan specifically. Yeah. And first time Florida state started two and O since I believe Jimbo Fisher was in in on the sidelines excuse me and when you look at their schedule it's pretty favorable on um, these next couple weeks they go 
Um, they visit Louisville, but Louisville's 0-1. And then they host an 0 and 1 Boston College. And then they play Wig Forest, who, which, sh- breaking news, as of today, Sam Hartman is expected to play this week. He was just cleared after having um, some serious surgery. So good for him. Um, I'm going to dive into my second winner. Um, it's an individual. I'm going Michael Penix, Washington quarterback. Um, the guy was, he, he took down some giants in the Big Ten when he was at Indiana. And he kind of made a name for himself. And then injuries and, complications with coaches last year kind of we didn't get the same Michael Penix that we saw two years ago and he absolutely lit it up against Kent State yes it is Kent State but I'm still excited for the guy he threw for 345 yards four touchdowns um, no interceptions and so solid performance by the guy and he is my other big winner of the week before we move on you have any honorable mention big winners um, no, that's, that's pretty much it for my, for my big winners, honorable mentions. Um, I do want to point out Houston. We, we talked, we mentioned that UTSA game earlier in the loser section, but I do think that gutting out that win, the UTSA crowd is very, very rowdy. That is a definite home field advantage. And I think they needed that victory to cement themselves as the group of five team in the state of Texas. And I think that now that they've kind of gotten through that, you know, little like jitter jumpstart thing, that win can kind of pro- propel them um, to go forward, especially with, you know, all the expectations that they have this season. Uh, I think that it's something that really will will come back and come back to bite them in, in a good way. Like they'll be able to um, they'll be able to use that win to kind of jumpstart their thing i want to go through their schedule really quickly here i have it pulled up we got utsa they won right at texas Mm -hmm. tech i think they can win that football game i really believe that they can win that football game this saturday on the road um so let's count that two and oh and then the schedule is just cakewalk from there kansas at home dub rice at home dub tulane at home dub at memphis dub they're off at Navy. That could slip them up simply because of a scheme thing, but they have a bye week before that to prepare. So I would give that another dub. USF, dub. At SMU, we'll have to see how they turn out. But after that, you get Temple, East Carolina, and Tulsa. I truly see one. I truly see them running the table, maybe one loss, in my opinion. Um, so Houston's looking to have a really good year, and Dana Holgerson's looking to be vindicated for that movie made a few years ago. Yeah, and honestly, Houston is. They're pushing because now that we know it's possible for a group of five team to make the playoff um, in this current format, you just know you have to be win all your games and let everybody else kind of just fizzle out over there. So you need a little bit more than that because I think what helped Cincy was that they beat Notre Dame in Notre Dame and and then Notre Dame ended up winning the rest of their season, rest of their games. So when it came to the head to head, they had to put them over and that's how you get in the playoffs. So, but even then, they're going to move to the Big 12 next year. So I think that getting you know wrapping up the america their time in the american with a conference championship and setting themselves up for that move is going to be really good for them houston's a team to be uh to look for this year next year and and in the future right this year they have to they they might be on the outside looking in for the playoffs but next year well not next year a year or so uh 2024 by the soonest i believe um this is probably the biggest news uh of college football that we've had in this past year which is quite a statement to make um, because there's been a lot of transfers, a lot of NIL stuff, Arch Manning going to Texas, obviously. Um, <laughs> okay. All right, Borba. But Jesus. college football 
this committee, I forgot what they call themselves, has decided to exp- expand the playoff from four teams to 12. And so what that will do will give us the five power conference winners, automatic bids, um, whatever the best group of five team is. Automatic pause, bid. pause. Incorrect, my brother. My brother oh, in Christ. My brother my in brother. Christ. It is not the power five champions and the group of five. It is the six best conference oh, champions, excuse me, regardless yes. of affiliation, power five or group of five. And that right. is a big thing for a conference like the American and for a conference like the Sun Belt, because those teams typically produce those high level group of five champions, group of five teams. Who's in trouble is the conference that you cover with, with, uh, with your, your Stanford site, the PAC 12, because there may not be the conference champion may not be at the level of what they believe, you know, uh, an app state to be, or a Houston to be, or their big 12 at that point, but app state to be, or an SMU to be, or, you know, stuff like that. You never know. So it is the top six conference champions will receive um, an automatic berth into the into that playoff. And then to wrap this point up and you can go forward, the other six will be at large, regardless of conference affiliation. There's no limits to how many teams can come from one conference. So it could be the six conference champions and then six other SEC teams if they really feel like it kind of thing. But I think that that's a good balance between putting the importance on winning your conference and then mm-hmm. also having what people would say are the best teams, maybe not the most deserving teams, but the best football teams that they can have to create the best matchups possible. So for me, it's a right. good middle ground. It's a good 50-50 compromise. So continue. I'm sorry. I just had to clarify that no, because Th- I am the group of five defender in this mentally, college football world. Mentally in my head, it's just like five conference champions and then the group of five. Like I, I'm just more excited about the group of five. Ba- they're basically guaranteed or a spot. Like they're guaranteed at a least seat at one. The yeah, at least, at least one. one. And we we've seen the UCFs of the world, the Cincinnati's of the world. They've been fighting for these spots all these years, and it's not to say that they their their work didn't pay off then. But now we're seeing that college football is like the as a sport is like you know what we need to include the group of fives because there's there could be some good teams out there that you never know. Um, some exciting things. For that you glossed, not glossed over, but didn't mention. Um, the first round will ho- have on-campus games, which I know you're thrilled about. We talked about that before we started airing. Um, so that means that certain certain schools get a little rowdy, get, maybe get that home field advantage, maybe put some value into some more value into the regular season. Um, so that way you could host a playoff game. Um, but yeah, this overall, I think this needed to happen. Uh, I honestly thought they were going to go to eight before they made it to a double digit number. Um, and I thought if they made it to a double digit number, it was going to be 10. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be the power five champions and five at large bids. And this also kind of puts pressure on Notre Dame, though, because they're only gunning for um, and BYU, I guess. Um, they're only gunning for an at large bid all the time. Now. Not BYU. Uh, they're going to be in the they're going to be in the Big 12. Well, BYU for the, be in the Big 12. That's true. That's true. I'm. Just all over the place. It's, it's important. The earliest that this could happen would be 2024, and it will for sure be implemented at the latest by 2026 because right. after the 2025 version of the playoff is when ESPN's television contract with the college football playoff expires. So um, they have to wait until that. Also, you forgot to mention, Borba, uh, mm-hmm. that the top four seeds, top four conference champions specifically, will receive a bye in the first round. So you got five through 12 in those first round matchups. You have um, four first round matchups there. Like you said, they're going to take place on campus. Um, and so that is really exciting in my opinion. And same thing with Notre Dame, they're going to be vying for those five to, 
um, to 12 spots. Notre Dame can, in under this system, if Notre Dame doesn't join a conference, they cannot have a first round by any independent as well. So we're talking the, ser- the, the, the service academies, um, the UMass, the Yukons of the world, they cannot, the New Mexico States, they cannot, uh, if they qualify for the playoff, have a bye week. They would have to be in the first round. So that's the kind of, you know, difference that you have there. Only the conf- top four conference champions have a bye week. Or, but I actually went back and for Gators Wire, I wrote up um, a little sample of what the 12 team playoff would have looked like going back to 2014. And mm-hmm. I think one of the best things that came out of it was the first round matchups, right? And the most notable one for me, and the most, the biggest reason why I'm most, the, the biggest reason why I'm excited for this thing to take place in a positive way is something like the 2018 college football playoff field, right? To remind everyone, your top four conference champions that year that got a buy would have gotten a buy um were the four teams that made the playoff alabama clemson oklahoma ohio state they would have all had a buy and then the rest of the field you would have had at number five notre dame at number six georgia at number seven michigan at number eight ucf at number nine washington ucf and washington winning the american and the pac-12 conference that's their automatic uh entrance to the tournament at number 10 florida at 11 lsu and at number 12 you have penn state so the matchups you would have had there would have had Penn State traveling to uh, South Bend to take on Notre Dame, LSU going to Athens to take on Georgia, Florida going to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan, and for me, the best one, Washington going to Orlando to take on UCF in the bounce house. A group of five team hosting a playoff game would have been electric, and the winner of that game would have gone to Tuscaloosa to take on, you guessed it, Alabama so it's one of those things where it's like oh my gosh that's insane now I will say the plan right now says that they are reseeding them reseeding those teams after the playoffs so that we can get the top team playing the quote-unquote worst team ranking wise I hope I wish that they would have done a bracket in that scenario but that's just me um but it, it does kind of give a little like oh okay if this team wins then maybe we'll go, go play that team in the next round oh but if that team wins you know you have that kind of fun that kind of excitement Um, And and for those people who are saying, but hey, you know, maybe we're going to lose. We're going to be losing these like incredible bowl games and and, and stuff like that, that we may have gotten. Like, for example, I know that people would would have been very sad if in uh, 2017 we weren't able to get that classic Rose Bowl game between Penn State and USC. um, That was just an instant classic. Well, Borba, that exact same year that we had that uh, USC Penn State game, guess where they played? in the first round of the playoff and they played in Southern California, instead of playing at the Rose bowl, they played at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum because USC would have been hosting Penn state in a first round playoff game. So we still get those types of matchups. We still get those legendary types of games just in a different uh, format. And for the people who are like, Oh, well people, you know, they're, they're quitting on their team and not playing in the bowl game. I can guarantee you if you're playing for a national championship, they're, no top player is going to skip out on the national championship game. It's just not on, on a potential title. It's not going to happen. So you still get the excitement. You still get all of these things. And as you can hear it in my voice, I'm very passionate about this, and I'm very excited. I want to say one more thing, and I promise you I will shut up, Borba, because I know I'm <laughs> rambling. I am begging everyone, I am begging everyone to stop looking at college football through the lenses of the Alabamas, Ohio States, and Georgias of the world. Those teams are playing semi-professional football. It is a completely different sport. 
from the rest of college football in terms of talent acquisition, in terms of quality of play on the field, and in terms of dominance on the field. Yes, those teams are always going to make the playoffs. That's okay. What this does is it gives you, it gives more teams more, it gives more teams something to play for at the end of the season. So many times we check out of certain teams' races because they lose a game or two and that's it, it's done. Utah, for example, people's argument was Utah losing to Florida last week in the 12 team format. Utah would have probably, you know, this game probably wouldn't have meant anything because Utah could still make the playoff. And in this format with the 14, they're basically eliminated. I would argue Utah loses this game regardless, right? Let's say they, they still lose to Florida under a 12-team format. Now their season's still alive. Their coaches can rally them around the fact that, hey, one loss doesn't mean that your season is completely over. You can still play. How difficult is it to tell those Utah players now in that locker room, you can still make the playoff when they all know in the back of their head because of their schedule, because of the conference that they're in, they really don't have that much of a shot. Now in a 12-team format, they can tell them, hey, win your conference, you're in the playoff. That's what you want to do. Reward on-field success. Stop looking at this through the, oh my God, there's going to be so many blowouts. There will still be blowouts. There will still be blowouts. We just won't be able to get the fun first-round matchups and the excitement and games like uh, that we are going to get in this 12-team format. There's so many things that are, and this also stops the whole super conference mentality situation that's going on because it, it gives these conferences, they can still make the playoff. There's something to play for, you know? I personally do not like a world where USC and Iowa are in the same conference. That just doesn't fit for me, not only geographically, but in the history and context of college football. I want to keep local regional rivalries. We saw it with the backyard brawl last week, which should have been a winner, by the way, on my board. Not either team, just the game itself. The backyard (laughs) brawl was such a success. Like, those are the things that matter. And now those are the things that that we risk losing with this world of just two super conferences and only making the playoff and the national championship the only thing worth playing for. There's so much more worth playing for in college football. And I think that expanding the playoff not only allows teams to get a chance to play for a national championship, but it enhances those other things that are important in college football, like a conference championship, like a local regional rivalry game, because those now have much more stakes and they have an ability to play for a national championship game, which under a four-team format was virtually impossible for other than Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and maybe three or four more teams any given year. And now my watch has ended. (laughs) No, I mean, you make great points, Sergio. Like the the playoff expanding was, one, it was always going to happen, whether you liked it or not. Um, It was needed. I think think a four-team playoff, and there's more money involved, obviously, but a four-team playoff was just a soft opening. Um, they were never just going to stop at four. I don't know if they'll stop at 12. They might expand to 16, and then they might expand to 24. Who knows, like the FCS playoff. I, I think 12 uh, is like the sweet spot for me personally because of its FBS rather than FCS. I think they're different they're different sports, mm-hmm. different ways to approach it. For me, this is my ideal playoff format, so I'm happy with this. I'm yeah. always open to expanding maybe to 16, but then I, I start to get more questions about player safety, how many games are these guys playing, um, and – the amount of money that this thing can generate, I saw on front office sports the other day, the potential for this is almost twice as much as what the NCAA basketball tournament generates, which is by far and away NCAA's biggest moneymaker. So mm-hmm. we're going to need to be seeing some kind of revenue sharing situation going on here and making it worthwhile for the players to play much more, much longer and put their bodies on the line for much longer. Yeah. And the, the playoff, um, even before 
like ESPN loses the rights. ESPN is going to make double the amount they they do with the four teams, if not triple um, by the by the time it's all said and done. Um, but yeah, it's just I think most of the complaints about college college football's playoff was that it's always the same four teams and there was always blowouts in the playoff. Um, I think those were the consistent complaints. Um, and so now people are starting to to reiterate those complaints. Well, how is a 12 seed going to beat the one seed? Well, those five through 12 matchups are going to be as even as any games we have throughout the season. It'll be interesting to see how those teams do against the top four teams. But hey, having an extra week off as that that top seed team that could either help you or that could hurt you. That could that could be too much time off. We don't know. We don't we haven't seen it yet. But it's also it's also weird that the teams that get the bye don't get a chance to play at home because the quarterfinals, semifinals and the championship games, quarterfinals, semifinals will be at bowl games. Championship game will be neutral site. So it does kind of feel like, oh, man, I kind of wish I would like to see. I would like to see a playoff game at Bryant Denny Stadium in Alabama. I would like to see a playoff game uh, between the hedges and Athens. You know, I would like to see those things. But because those teams are so good, you know, they they'll have a bye. But if I'm a coaching staff, yeah, I'd much rather have the bye. Um, and get my team rested up and healthy than, you know, hosting a playoff game and, and, and having the headache of all that. Yeah, I just, the, I will say the one thing I hope this doesn't do is I hope that conferences still continue to schedule those uh, home and home thing, home and home games, because I don't want to say this lessens the importance of those, but there's like the automatic, like if you win the conference you're in. Um, I think like the lower tier SEC schools and the lower tier Big 12 schools, like they'll still have to schedule those to get like those signature wins. But Alabama now can just win their conference schedule as many cupcakes as they want and then they're fine. So I think that'll be something to watch out for. I'm not like I'm not conspiring anything, but I will say that's something to watch out for because all the games are scheduled out until 202030 at this point. And so talk to me in 202035. If there's a problem, we'll come back to this episode and be like, well, huh. well, Borba in 2030, I think the Gators are scheduled to play in Austin against UT. Uh, even yeah. though I think we're probably going to be played before that because we'll be SEC yeah. members, but we will see. You I think five. <laughs> I, I think it has to. I think that also has to do with the proposed expanded conference schedule. At least in the SEC, the Big Ten already has nine conference games. The SEC is probably going to have nine conference games going forward. The Big Twelve has nine conference games because they play a round robin. Um, you know, I, I think maybe what depends on what happens when they have actual twelve actual members. So I think we may see the elimination of those, but I don't think it's necessarily because of the playoff expanding. I just think it's because there's more, a bigger importance on playing games in your conference, which personally I'm a fan of as long as we get some of those cupcakes because those financially prop up the lower schools. And without right. those kind of give back games, those paycheck games that people call them, I think that we lose a connection to the of the, the ecosystem of college sports and college football. So. The trickle down effect, if you will. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very yeah. The, only, the only time trip without economics works, in my <laughs> opinion, is when we talk about college football cupcake games. Yes, exactly. I'm just happy. I'm just happy something from history or school like made its way into my regular life because Matt, algebra two hasn't been making its way into my life. I will say that. <laughs> well, Re Reagan, been... Reagan decided to make his presence on the American culture and the American economic system in the 1980s for the worst. But that's just my opinion. We're going to keep going forward before I get in trouble. But yeah, no, I. Going off of like what I was saying, I, I'm excited about those five through twelve matchups um, at college stadiums, especially. Um, you're saying like the the article that you wrote. It was Notre Dame taking on Penn State. Those states are pretty close in proximity to where um, they could travel. Still, like I I think regionally this is great for the sport 
And it's also great for the sport for um, the Pac-12, who struggles with attendance. Say they get a team in, which I think the Pac-12 will have no issues getting teams in. Um, I just think, like, a lot of the the drama around the Pac-12 right now is that they don't have the support of a lot of the other schools, which is true. Like, UCLA has been trending. Um, I think this will just draw more attention in. I think it'll bring more motivation to these students and fans to go to the games, which it's just growing the sport. If you think about it, um, it's growing the money as well, but it's growing the sport as a whole. It's what the sports, ne- what the sport needs. And I'm pleased with it. I know Sergio's pleased with it. Um, Sergio real quick predicts the first 12 teams. Let's go. We're just going to predict them. Um, Alabama. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. The first 12, okay. But what year are we starting in 24 or in 26? Mm, let's do 25. Right in the middle. All right, cool. Right in the middle. All right. I think for sure, for sure, you get Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. I don't know if you get Clemson for sure. Um, okay. But but I will go my, with those three. My for sure was going to be USC. USC, yes. They are that's, they are for sure. That's I think three so. years under Lincoln Riley. I, I agree. USC for sure. That's four. Um, I think Notre Dame makes it. That's five. Yeah, because they're going to stay. Think... Nothing for Notre Dame. Change. <laughs> and they're only no, going to get better with Marcus. I agree. I think Cincinnati makes it. Okay. I think at that point there will be a Big 12 team, but so for me I think Cincinnati makes it. I think um, group of 5 Who's our group of 5? Fresno State. I think App State makes it. App State. Okay. I think um um I think Utah Mid- makes it. Utah, give, give me Michigan. From the Pac-12. I think Michigan I think- makes it. Consistently a top ten team. I agree. Um, I think Florida makes it at that point, and that's my unbiased opinion. We need other SEC teams because there's going to be at least three I or think, four. Well, I put Bama, Georgia in this one. I put Florida. I think that we're going to get Texas um, at the eleventh. I'll take A and M. I'll take A and M. Okay. I think they can be good enough to be in there, and then I will take. Hmm, who do I put last? Uh, I'll put. I have Ohio State and Michigan in there, right? Yep. Okay. Um, I'm going through the conferences in my head. That's why. <laughs> that's why I'm taking a bit <laughs> conferences in my head. Um, in this, I have represented the SEC champion. Um, you know what? Let's go. Let's go Pittsburgh. We'll make well, them actually, the ACC. Oh, I, I put Clemson, right? I'll put Clemson because they'll be the ACC champion. Complication. Mm-hmm. I think we were considering USC the Pac-12 champion. They're going to be in the Big Ten. No, that's why I put Utah in. Oh, okay. That's why Never I put mind. Utah in. You, because I, because I have, yeah. Because okay. champ, conference champions, I have Alabama for the SEC or, or Georgia, either one. But Alabama or Georgia for the SEC. I have Clemson for the ACC. I have Ohio State for the Big Ten. I have Cincinnati for the Big 12. I have App State for the Sun Belt. I have Utah for the Pac-12. Those are my six conference champions. And then from there, at large, I have Georgia or Alabama, depending on who's. Uh, I have Michigan. I have Notre Dame. I have Florida. I have – what was the other one I said? Um, I have Bama, Clemson, USC, Utah, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. USC was the the other one that didn't make it there. And then the last one at large. Yeah, this is our last one. I don't want to say LSU because of what I saw, and I don't. I know they're going to get better. I just don't know if they're going to be in that top twelve ranking. And this is just obviously way too early, and based on what we're seeing right now. Um, 
and let none of the do <laughs> exactly another one play let me do just to have fun with it let me then go with uh hmm Baylor. So in this case, I have I have something being a better Baylor, 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 Baylor. Yes. If Aranda stays, Baylor. Yes. Yeah. I left off Oklahoma. I left off Texas. I left off LSU. I left off Wisconsin. I left off Oregon. I left off um any team oh. from the America uh Miss, Houston. 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 Oh, I said I said Cincinnati as well in there. They were in there. So those are those are the teams I think we're gonna be starting starting to think about. I like. I honestly, for something I just surprised you with, I'm not mad at that top twelve. Um, I Can think, you read it back to me? I literally named like thirty schools, and I, I, I need to yeah. I need to know what I picked. So you have Alabama. This is in no order. This is just the order I remembered them: Alabama, okay. Clemson, USC, Utah, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, App State, Notre Dame, and Florida. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm not mad like at that. that. Um, the only I think, conference I left off was the American. My like only of question the bigger, of the big ones. My only question is: Will Nick Saban be there? Will Nick Saban be there? You know what? He might. He might be the guy that says, "You know what? That's where I draw the line. I'm going to retire. Not that's where I draw the line, but like that's where like this is my exit. This is like my my exit plan. You know. But then again, the, the man is a psycho and loves to coach college football, and I don't know if he would. I don't know what he would do if he wasn't the Alabama head coach. He's in his mid season, like seven. He's like seventy three years old, and the man's got the body of a fifty four year old, and is in great shape, and loves what he does, and does it well. So who knows, man? He could coach till he's eighty five and still be in good health. So cue the SpongeBob meme where he's like, I, "I'm going to head out." <laughs> well, as, soon, as, soon as, as soon as there's automatic bids for Group of Five, Nick Uncle Nick's out of there. Uh, but no, I think Group of Five teams to watch. I'll just make a, a brief list. You got Fresno State, Boise State, um, San Diego State, assuming that they don't uh, converge into the Pac-12. True. Those those are my three teams to watch. I think, I, think State, I have Louisiana. also some group of five teams to watch. I think in that time frame, uh, SMU is a team mm-hmm. to watch. I think um, – They're also targets, so – They're potential also targets, yeah. Yeah. I think I think SMU is a team to watch. I think Houston will be in the in the Big Twelve, so not so much. I think Louisiana is a team to watch. Coastal Carolina is a team to watch. Um, Coastal needs selfishly, to I hope. Selfishly, I hope FAU is a team to watch. I just don't know if they'll be there in twenty twenty five. I I expect them to be in contention later on in terms of winning the American. Um, yeah. But we'll see there. And then I also think that there's. Um, uh, I had one more that I was going to name. Um, I forgot it. So we'll just keep going. Okay. So now that we've predicted the future, we've talked about the future of the sport. Let's talk about the future of right now. So the future of this week, I mean, uh, week two, some great games coming up. Um, me and Sergio are going to break down a few of them. We're going to predict about 10 of them. Um, we're going to predict the winners. I picked the, the 10 games that interest me the most. And I, make Sergio pick winners with me. Um, Got to start with the headliner of the week, and it's not just because I'm a Texas supporter. It's where College Game Day is going to be. It's where Fox Big – or it's Big Noon, whatever whatever it's called. Big Noon Kickoff. Big Noon Saturday. Big Thank Noon you. Kickoff. Big Noon Kickoff. And it's the yeah. – I'm sorry. The branding for them is weird because it's – the show is called Big Noon Kickoff, and then the game itself is called Big Noon Saturday. So right. the fact that right. they have the same – like it's like, dude, come on. You got to – College Game Day and then 
this game kicks off at 12. Come get some get some uh, yeah. dichotomy in this, Fox. Come on. Literally. Okay, but number one, Alabama traveling to Texas. Um, Alabama is currently viewed as a 20-point favorite. Um, I think that's being modest. I think Alabama wins by at least 30. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yes. If I was to give you 14 points, if I was to give you 13 and a half points, I should say, 13 and a half points, Texas plus 13 and a half for just the first half, would you be comfortable taking the points? Do you think Texas yeah. would make it within 14 by halftime? Oh, I think it'll be a, like a 10 point game at halftime. I think it's okay. the second half where it's going to start to get ugly. Um, but get hey, ugly but then. Okay. I think honestly, I've learned as a Texas fan, as a pessimistic a sports fan myself, you just expect the worst, and then when the best happens, it surprises you. It's a pleasant surprise. Um, I've stopped hoping for I've stopped hoping for the best because then I have become disappointed. <laughs> I very publicly picked Utah to win last week against Florida. I was very happy when I was wrong. Yeah, I'm. I, I feel like you're putting some bad voodoo on Utah, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that. I think that game will be interesting. Um, this will be a very welcome to college football for Quinn Ewers. Um, we'll see. We'll see how well Sark knows Nick Saban and how well Nick Saban knows Sark. Um, that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. We saw. Uh, we saw uh, how well Kirby Smart know, knew Dan Lanning. So, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, we're gonna go with half of the backyard brawl. Um, Pitt is hosting Tennessee. Um, number 24, Tennessee, and number 17, Pitt. I have Tennessee, and it is because what I saw in the backyard brawl, which was a fantastic game, by the way, what I saw mm-hmm. in the backyard brawl was that this Pittsburgh offense is not the same Pittsburgh offense that Kenny Pickett was running. And as much as I like Keaton Slovis, I really do. I think he's a good college quarterback. I think that the system that he's in is not conducive to keep up with the uh, Josh Heupel, Hendon Hooker, I am going to score so many points that your eyes are going to bulge out uh, type of offense that they got going. Like it's the, uh, I just want to see me score a touchdown. Want to see me do it again. That's kind of what Tennessee is kind of rolling with in terms of high tempo and pace. So I just don't think they keep up. So for that reason, I think that um, Tennessee wins Uh, in order for, for Pittsburgh to win this game. They have to control the ball for like 10 minute drives in my opinion. And I just don't see that happening. So I'll take Tennessee. Yeah, I'm also going Tennessee. I think Tennessee is probably one of my favorite teams where it's like I don't expect them to contend for the playoff. But I do like they'll be in a New Year's six game possibly. They're just really fun to watch. Um I think if I was to put someone on who doesn't like call who doesn't like college football and they're like, Oh, it's boring, I'd probably Tennessee would be one of the schools where I'd be like, watch a Tennessee game. Yeah. You get you got you gotta point them in the direction of exciting offense that can generate points so a tennessee would would be cool uh lane kiffin's old miss would be a cool team to show them uh oklahoma with jeff levy and dylan gabriel uh as the coordinator quarterback combo there that would be a fun offense to show them so yeah i I agree that's what you want to show someone um i just i think that they're going to score too many points like i said and and pittsburgh both going tennessee there um maybe another game i'd turn a newly found college football fan onto is uh army versus navy just a if so, you have to experience, no, I'm just kidding. I hate watching the <laughs> <laughs> respect to the troops, disrespect mm-hmm. to the offense they run. Um, staying in the SEC, your Florida Gators, another big game at the swamp, another top yeah. 25 team, which you guys jumped from unranked. I don't even know if you had any votes to 12. Yeah. Um, wow. 
Yeah, I was, which Utah, honestly, and I'm, I'm one of the people still advocating for Utah's playoff run. They just got to win out because that was obviously viewed as a respectable loss. Um, and Utah's they, and like, they have to, and they need up. Florida to do really well as well to yes, prop up their loss. Yes, they do. Um, honestly, I'm going Florida, not because I want to make you happy or anything. It's just Kentucky didn't look that good against Miami of Ohio. I know it's the first week, but I think, which we were, you were obviously on Anthony Richardson, but you put me on Anthony Richardson last year. Um, you were talking about the backup who is super dynamic, and you started sending me clips. And then all of a sudden, Anthony Richardson started to, he started to be the guy where the, the fan base was like, it's AR 15 time, or excuse me, it's Anthony Richardson time. Um, take yeah, out Emory. Hey, we, we, we rebranded this offseason. We rebranded this offseason. I apologize. It was such a cool nickname, though. It's hard to admit, hard to go away from that i but agree I, th- I, I like the nickname i'm a, i'm glad that he changed it it's a very mature thing to do and the right decision in my opinion so but corporate. man was it was it cool to see a quarterback with a cannon of an arm have ar-15 as his nickname <laughs> uh, i just anthony richardson is that guy um uh, i don't know if you tweeted it or maybe you retweeted it but this was like the he's the closest thing to vince young we've seen and i would firmly agree with that that was that was greg mcelroy uh, former okay. Alabama quarterback of the SEC Network. Now he said this is the closest thing that we have seen uh, since Vince Young. Like basically comparing, basically calling him Vince Young 2.0, which is something that I didn't, I didn't really put two and two together until he said it, and now I, I can't unsee it. I yeah, can't what, unsee it. And Anthony might even be a better thrower, or not even might be. I think he's a better thrower or passer than Vince Young, and so mm-hmm. that that's just crazy to me. Um, I, I likened him to a Lamar Jackson with a Josh Allen arm. Because I think I think Anthony Richardson could easily throw 80 yards. I'm not even like if if I had to choose between him throwing 80 yards or him running a four three, I don't even know what I'd pick because he could do it. He could do it all. Um, But yeah, I'm guessing you're going Florida as well. Um, Yes, I uh, I submitted my my game picks um, on GatorsWire.com earlier today and it actually ran today so if you don't mind i would uh i don't i would like to read what i wrote which is right now it's on gatorswire.com you can find it there and i literally wrote what a difference a week makes huh the billy the billy napier era got off to its best possible start an electric home win against a top 10 team the gainesville native quarterback fulfilling the prophecy of the number 15 jersey and a game clinching interception in the red zone you couldn't write a better start to the season but now comes the hard part How do the Gators maintain their calm and not let the excitement of the moment catch them slipping against Kentucky? Under previous regimes, that might be a problem. Under Billy Napier, however, that doesn't seem to be much of a concern. Kentucky is always a game where both teams realize the importance of getting the conference slate off on the right foot. Pause. That's because Florida, for those who don't know, Florida-Kentucky, it's typically the first SEC game that each team plays, and it's typically in September, um, either the second, third week of the year at the latest. So, this is just so happens to be a double punch to start off the season for the Gators, but this game is always one of the first home games for the Gators. This game is being played at night again. Last time I checked, there were like 700 to 1,000 tickets still available, so it's looking like it's going to be close to, if not a sellout, close to a sellout in the Swamp, and Kentucky did not get as many away tickets as Utah did, so there will be less of, a pre- of an away presence this Saturday than there was last week when Utah came to play. So it is, it's going to be an exciting one. Um, the environment definitely plays in the Gators' favor. Now, continuing my little thing real quick. Uh, unfortunately for Mike Stoops, there are issues, suspensions, or injuries to the Kentucky running back room. Pair that with the offensive line not being as good as it has been in previous seasons, and Kentucky's ground-and-pound identity will take a hit. 
I think Florida is able to build upon the good that came from the Utah game and takes advantage of Kentucky's offensive handicaps in this game. Will Levis may be an NFL prospect, but I don't think he's going to be able to throw all over a Florida secondary that held its own last week. If the self-inflicted mistakes can be limited, I see the Gators winning this one in the second half. And my prediction was Florida 28, Kentucky 17. So that is mm. uh, what I wrote on GatorsWire.com. You can find all of my writing on GatorsWire.com. Um, I have a column going up tomorrow all about the 12-team playoff um, and why it is a good thing for college football. You can also find the napkin, my gambling picks, uh, every Friday morning and the recap coming Monday or Tuesday morning, depending on the outcomes of the weekend. little plug I got in there, Borba. There you go. Um, Florida's currently favored by ESPN's FPI, 54% chance to win, and it is at minus 5.5 in favor of the Gators. Um, But, yep, I'm going Florida as well. Um, The game that I will be at, which I think is probably one of the sleeper games of the week, um, number 10 USC is coming to Stanford. Um, First game in the Pac-12 for Lincoln Riley. Uh, Stanford has one of the most experienced teams in the country, and I'm gonna. I'm honestly, I'm calling for the upset. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it right now. I predicted it a couple, couple other places. Stanford's won five out of the last eight. They're two and zero at home against USC. Um, honestly, USC didn't impress me in defending the run against Rice. Um, they obviously pulled away because it's Rice, as they should. Yeah. Um, but EJ Smith, son of Emmett Smith, is electric lightning in a bottle for Stanford. Um, I expect them to give a steady diet of EJ Smith down Florida or down USC's throat. And then I hope this is somewhat of a coming out game for Tanner McKee. Um, he has four senior receivers to throw to one of the, honestly, his arm strength is impressive. I didn't realize how strong his arm was until I saw it in person. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going for the upset. I think this USC team is going to face adversity and I think the Stanford team will be the ones to do it. If there's ever a year to get the Lincoln Riley USC team to like get got, this is the year to do it. And I think you're right. The first real road test. I want to, can I ask you a question? What do you expect the turnout to be fan wise? Like, is it going to be an, a tough environment for USC? Is this, what do you, what are you expecting? Okay. Um, Colgate game last week, the, I believe the stadium holds 50,000. It was at, it was 40% capacity. Um, well, the picture the picture you sent me was uh, from the press box. wasn't the wasn't the I didn't know how close to game time that was, but it wasn't the most reassuring of crowds. <laughs> Let me put it that it way. Was pretty close. Um, there was a lot of people under me, which I, is not shown in the picture. Um, I jokingly sent Sergio a picture of the emptiest part of the stadium, and I was like, "Attendance twelve question mark." Um, <laughs> it was it was good. No, uh, there was. More people started to show up at games. I think, honestly, I know some USC fans that are traveling. Um, I think it's going to be, I don't want to say there's going to be more USC fans, but I do expect the stadium to be somewhat full. Um, I don't know if they'll hit capacity, but I think it'll be a lot closer. But I do think it's going to be a lot of the red and yellow. I don't know what color that is, maroon or whatever. Maroon and yellow compared to red and white, cardinal and white, excuse me. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think it'll I, be pretty. I'll have to go. I'll have to go USC, but what's the spread on that? Um, USC minus nine. Okay. Maybe I can tease that up to like a 14 and a half. And then I would like to maybe think about taking Stanford plus the point, like the points, because I agree with you. I think if there's ever a time to get them, um, Emmett Smith's kid was supposed to go to Florida. Uh, Emmett Smith, Florida Gator, Gator, great Florida legend, Emmett Smith. Um, if you see him near the press box, give him a go Gators for me, please. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I, I, he's a good he's a good running back. I, I really wanted him, and um, Dan Mullen fumbled that bag. So um, yeah, yeah no, took- I, I think I I would take a close game in this one simply because of that factor. But then you know you never know, you know. So but my official pick is USC. And also, I'll give you a little insider info or something to look out for. Jordan Addison, Caillou Blue Kelly. Caillou Blue Kelly is one of the best defensive backs in the country. Um, he virtually shut down Drake London last year when they played USC. He did. Um, he did. I'm hoping that they go head-to-head multiple times, and I will be trying to keep a tally of like how Jordan Addison does against him. Um, but I think I think it'll be a great matchup. I think USC, it's going to be a little bit of a punch in the mouth to them. I think the Rice win was a little too easy for them. And so this will be a come back to earth kind of game, but yeah, we also have a lot of transfers, man. It's it's difficult to get everyone on the same page in year one like that and be expected to perform. So I, there's going to be a slip up at some point. It could be this weekend. Stanford is returning. Stanford's youngest player is freshman um, edge rusher David Bailey, four star. But other than that, it's all juniors, seniors, and grad transfers or grad students. Excuse me. There's one transfer. And mm-hmm. do you want for for? a beer, an alcoholic beverage of your choice. Do you want to guess what school he transferred from? Because it's not often Stanford gets a transfer. It's a power five. Um, It's a power five? Yep. I'm going to assume it was Northwestern. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, really? I was yeah. thinking the academic requirements were, yeah, were, were the one that kept it. No, nice. Oklahoma safety. But yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> good, um, good, but, good for him going to get his grad, going to get a really good master's. I, I like that. Yeah. Smart kid. Yeah, Smart exactly. kid. Um, the next game, um, staying in the Pac-12, but Florida ties as well. Arizona State is visiting Stillwater to take on number eleven Oklahoma State. Um, Mike Gundy kind of made some comments about the Pac-12 this weekend, uh, or on Monday, saying that the, that the Big Twelve is in better shape than the Pac-12. Yada yada yada. Um, but Emory Jones looked really good against Northern Arizona. Um, this is your former guy. Stop the cap. Stop the cap. Stop the cap. Stop. So I'm guessing we're going to Oklahoma State. Honestly, I I'm I I don't know, dude. Oklahoma State is back to being just a just a question mark. Um, they gave up like a massive lead to a team they should not have given up a massive lead to. From Michigan, yeah, they Central Michigan started. To, they went from like a thirty point deficit to like it was like a ten point game in like seconds. You know so how like, big of a collapse it has to be for a Jim McElwain led team to to issue like a thirty point comeback. You know how how big of a lapse of judgment that has to be? Um, I don't know, man. I, I guess I'm going to go Oklahoma State because they are at home and the Arizona State situation is still a bit untenable in terms of stability. Um, right. And for that reason, I, I think they win. But I do think this is going to be a crazy game. Like, I, I have a feeling this will be this will be the game that uh, on Sunday we'll all go, hey, did you see that Arizona State-Oklahoma State game? Like, it's going to be yeah. wild. I, I think that's what it's going to be. Oklahoma State lost some key contributors on defense. Um, Derek Mason's a new defensive coordinator, which I heard something very interesting today. Um, I don't remember what show I was listening to. It was on ESPNU radio. Um, they likened learning his defense to learning Portuguese. It's doable, but it's hard. And so I was like, okay, very weird comp. I was like, they, I was like, I honestly think they kind of just like we're looking ahead if we're being honest. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I think I don't so too. As, as someone whose girlfriend is fluent in Portuguese, she's taught me quite a few things in a short amount of time. So I imagine <laughs> if you just put that head down and study, you, you could figure the, the Derek Mason defense out. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not there. Um, this game underrated. Uh, they played last year, I believe, 
And I honestly, th- is this a home and home that I forgot about? Baylor going to Provo to play U- uh, BYU? Yeah, this was a home and home. Yeah. Wow. This wow, this is a good home. one. Baylor, and this, Baylor, is, and this is for, for this is like the only game in its time slot. It's a it's a ten fifteen kickoff Eastern. Um, yep. so, so like at least for me personally, football. like I, yeah, I can just watch a bunch of football, watch the Gator game, and then be like, oh, and now I get Baylor U BYU. Let's do this, of course. Um, first big test for Baylor, right of the season. First mm. really big test for Baylor on the road, um, in in Utah, um. This one's tough, man. Uh, this one is, this one is very tough. I made this pick on sideline judgment, and I'm really right. Honestly, like, this is such a hard pick that I don't know who to pick. So I'm just gonna go back to my rundown from when I recorded yesterday. Um, I ended up picking. Okay, I picked BYU, so I'm gonna take BYU on, on this podcast as well. Okay, the home Hot crowd t- is a big really deal. Awesome. I think these teams are very evenly matched. They both have really good coaches. Um, but I, my, I think my justification was if you can get 60,000 fans to be crazy and insane for a whole football game and they're not under the influence of alcohol, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. So I think I'm, I'm going to take BYU. I remember watching the Holy War last year, um, again, super late night, and I was like, oh, my gosh, incredible, fantastic. So I'm, gonna, I'm hoping for those same vibes. Uh, yeah, I'll take BYU to beat Baylor. Future, it's future Big 12 conference foes, by the way. It's true. These two, these two schools will probably be duking it out at the top. Oh yeah. In the Big Championship. Could we be seeing the beginning of a rivalry brewing? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Two, two, two religious private institutions going at it for the Big Twelve. Right. You never know. It's BYU minus three, um, according to ESPN. Um, BYU Loki has a schedule to make a playoff run this year. I'm just going to put that. I'm not advocating for their playoff run, but they they went to South Florida week one. They host number nine Baylor. They are going to Eugene to play Oregon, which Oregon looking that bad against Georgia doesn't help BYU, but it's still um, an on the, a true road game. And then they also go to Notre Dame and they host Arkansas later in the year. So, and they play Boise State later. So what, what are they ranked? BYU is currently number twenty-one. Okay, all right, They're, that's still enough for them to make a leap into. Okay, all right, they, they got time to work their way up. The more they do. wins, they do. But oh, this is a tough game. I honestly, I didn't learn much about Baylor week one. They played the University of Albany and they beat them. They scored 69 points. I, I don't know if, like, that was nice. expected. Nice. Nice. Hashtag nice. But, yeah, I'm probably going to go. I'm going to go Baylor just to oppose you. Um, I'll, I'll ride with the Big 12. It, it is a relative coin flip for those ones. Yeah, honestly, I that's a tough game. I, I never like betting against BYU, especially in Provo. Um, I just feel like they have their – Never mind. Um, moving on. <laughs> that I was, I don't know. Never mind. If you that know, was... you know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Yeah. Um, a game we talked about earlier in the show uh, 25, number 25 Houston visiting Texas Tech. Um, I'm going Houston. They beat them a couple well. of years back. And I think that they could do it again. I agree. And then, give me, give me well, Houston as well. Well, be our final two final games. Um, up first, Washington State visiting Wisconsin. Um, I will say Washington State was very disappointing against Idaho. They only won by seven, but maybe they're looking forward. And I'm going to play devil's advocate. Uh, Wisconsin doesn't play against very many air raid teams. Just saying. Agreed, Just... but I, it is in Wisconsin. I'll take Wisconsin. Yeah. I will also take Wisconsin. <laughs> Why Graham Mertz is still the quarterback, I don't know, but I will take Wisconsin. 
Hey, when all you have to do is hand the ball off to Jalen Brager, whatever his name is, I, true. I can be quick. Very I can true. Be or Braylon, not Jalen Brager. Who am I thinking? Braylon Allen, excuse me. And then our last game of the pick'em, App State visiting number six Texas A&M. Can App State get rid of their demons and finally pull through? I'm I'm calling for the upset. I think this is an upset for them. So this game was also on like that list of like we got to pick them out. I think Texas A&M wins this game. Okay. But this is going to be a th- – we're going to be saying App State is the best 0-2 team in the country after this game. The way <laughs> they lost against North Carolina and the way I think they're going to lose against Texas A&M. Uh, I really hope I'm wrong. I really hope App State pulls the upset off. But I am a big believer that Texas A&M um, is going to win this football game. It just won't be pretty, and it'll be we'll, – we're going to start to get the – yeah, the Aggies are 2-0, and but like – we're a bit concerned type of stuff. Like, like I think they lose to Arkansas this year. Um, I well, think they have like a that, gauntlet. You know? They have, oh my They Lord. play in the SEC West. Of course they have a gauntlet. Not, even pre-SEC West. Well, I mean, there's only one game, but still. Uh, honestly, Texas A&M, was the le- they had the least convincing 31-point win I'd ever seen last week against Sam Houston State. <laughs> um, but after App State, they play Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Bama, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, and then they get UMass before they play LSU. That, I have to see how Miami plays this week. I don't. Who does Miami play this week? I don't. I don't know. But last Miami, week it was just a scrub, whatever. But they play, they play this week. They play Southern Miss this week, so you probably won't. Okay, so them. I'm not going to really get any information. I'm excited to see that game next week, uh, Miami A and M, because it'll answer a lot of questions for me, both on the A and M and the Miami side. Um, yep. And yeah, man. We'll we'll see how that goes, but for next week, for this week, I'll take A and M over App State in a close game, and there will be a lot of question marks and concerns in College Station. I think it's just their quarterback. I don't I don't think he's the guy. I'm not I'm not a Hayden's King guy. I thought it was going to be the LSU transfer Max Johnson. I liked him a Jimbo, lot. Jimbo Jimbo needs to make this easier on the quarterbacks, though. Like at a certain <laughs> point, it's not just like think about it. The only quarterback he has had success with was Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston is an NFL caliber quarterback. Like he is really, really good. So he like really, I think tries to put too much on the quarterbacks and it's not conducive to the college game. You know, he's quirky you like that. That's yeah, his th- but he's like quirky. his, his whole stubborn and quirkiness is going to be his downfall. I, I th- in my opinion. So we'll his see. whole thing about his offense is ignoring text messages. Just me sending us the results of this. Um, it's just, his whole quirkiness is like my offense is hard to learn. You have to be an advanced mind. Well, you haven't had an advanced mind that's mastered your offense since 2015. So let's let's take a look in the mirror, Jimbo. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But, but yeah, that that concludes our week two pick'em. Um, this concludes our episode of the Tailgate Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Podcast Network. I am your host, Kevin Borland. He is Sergio Deastray, avid Florida Gator fan, avid Florida avid. Gator alum. Love it. AR for I hope Texas gets me a win for my birthday this weekend. And I hope you guys have a great college football week. And we will be here next week to recap everything that happens this week. Bye.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.